Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. All right, episode 35 has begun. I'm your host of We Do Recover, Jared Miller. Today we have in the lounge your co-host, our medical expert, Dr. Terry Sellers. Hey, good morning, everybody. Happy to be down in sunny St. George. Lovely weather. It's beautiful today, isn't yeah, it? Hasn't been as good the last few times I've been down, but it's nice today, and I have a tea time in a couple of hours. So, Of course, got to get that golf in. I'm excited. We also have in the studio the producer, Sean Denman. Hi. Oh, man. He's, wow. He's full of energy today. What are we talking about today? Depression? <laughs> and anxiety? It sounds like that right there. <laughs> you don't need any textbook definitions. Just listen to Sean. That's right. This I'm podcast. fine. <laughs> Denial's e the first sign, Sean. E.R. E Denovan over there. <laughs> All right. This podcast is recorded in sunny St. George, Utah, as Dr. Seller said. Yes, it is. Episode 35, part one, is brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers, where addiction ends and healing begins. If you or a loved one need help, give them a call. 801-800-8142. Ooh, I blanked for a minute. You did. Please give saw them that. a call. I saw that. The problem was there was fear in my eyes because I don't actually even <laughs> try to know the number. So I'm like, I if you're relying on me, we're in trouble. I haven't memorized, but I get the 801 and the 800 confused uh, sometimes. Yeah, sure. So that's 801-800-8142. 801-800-8142. Yeah. A lot of numbers start with 1-800, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, new and goods. Oh, what's new and good? Are you asking me or am I asking I'm, you? You kick it off. Am I in studio? Age before beauty. Whoa. I mean. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that means I go dead last, dude. Uh, Whoa, that doesn't mean that at all. Uh, hey, what's new and good with you, Jared Miller? So that we got a lot of new and goods going on. Okay. So tomorrow is the Sober Society social event. Whoa, tell me about that. Okay. This so is the first I'm hearing of it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sand Hollow Aquatic Center, 630 to 8. Sean's laughing at me. We, are you guys both going to be apparently I'm on speed this morning. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you take some Adderall this morning? You're all, no, are you all take, jacked up on I Dr. Pepper? I don't take Adderall. I do have my Dr. Pepper. <laughs> uh, that's what happens when Dr. Sellers drinks three quarters of a Dr. Pepper. He gets wound up. So we got that, that social event. Again, it's free. Come out. We'd love to see you guys. Yeah, so um, I I got lost in my own stuff. What time? 6.30. 6.30 p.m. Yep. at the Sand Hollow Aquatic Center. That's right, just off sunset. Anybody listening is invited. Absolutely. Anybody that wants to show up, please show up. We're going to have a really good time. Yeah, bring your family. Bring something to barbecue. So we don't, we're not going to supply the food. I might buy some hockey pucks and stuff for burgers, but bring your own food. Come ready to have a good time, swim, volleyball courts are open, it'll be a blast. Yeah, let's do that. That'll be a lot of fun. I'm going to be there, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, I brought a device to record some folks, so we'd like to, while we're there, maybe ask people some questions. and If they're okay with it. If right. not, no, we'll no, respect No, 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 listen, want. for sure we're going to ask people questions, but we're also going to ask them if it's okay if we put that on a podcast in the future. And if they're not okay, that's fine. We don't. We're not going to use people that don't give us permission for sure. Right. right. So and we might even have some answers that don't include names. So um, you don't have to tell us your name. You don't have to even answer any questions if you don't want to. That's not what we're doing. But I just want to get you know just some people's reactions. Some what are you doing in your life? That sort of stuff. Yeah, that'll be fun. So I brought a super fancy recording device that is got these weird directional mics that are i don't know so dr sellers is going to be interviewing some of you people if right. if, if you're open to that right. if you're open and, if and you're, willing listen if you're not it's totally fine like there's no judgment here we're just i just want to talk to some people about their lives and maybe what they think of the podcast see if they have any suggestions anything like that so and we may include some of that content on future episodes so you know what i'm going to be doing talk to me I'm going to be eating hamburgers and jumping off diving boards. I'm going to stick a microphone right in your face nope. as you take a giant <laughs> bite of a hamburger. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to, you know, we're talking about anxiety and depression. I'm going to de-plug. I'm just going to enjoy the moment. Yeah. I'm going to try to be in the moment. Sure. That's, sure. I'm excited about it. I really am. Yeah, a little R&R. &R, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it too. So uh, that'll be fun. Okay. What else you got? Uh, so started working at Steps, right? Doing the, the intern thing. What, and tell me what you're uh role is at steps so i'm over the family program okay sweet. right 
So working on a family outreach program to help loved ones that are, you know, have their clients or with steps. Also people that so are struggling to get their loved one into treatment. And, you know, the cool thing I love about, I, I the cool thing I love about steps is their whole like administrative team is very hands off. So like I had this vision where I was going to come in, they're going to tell me what to do, how to do yeah. it, what, and it was like, this is your baby. Like the creativity, the, the fact that they allow me to have creativity and create this thing is pretty amazing because in most places you go, it's okay, here's the expectation. Here's what we want. Right. And so it's just kind of cool, but they also support. So like I have Shalee, Jackie, uh, Keegan, like all the clinical directors that kind of put in their pieces that they want to see. Right. And then they're like, it's, this is your baby. Like that Sweet. creativity and freedom. We're going to get into some of that later in the anxiety and depression, not being fulfilled at work or having room to, to have creativity or your own buy-in, right? Ownership in, in the work that you do. And as I was reading a book, we're going to get to, I, I realized like just how important that is. And it's pretty fun. It's pretty amazing. So that's my new and good. So, um, let me ask you a couple of questions, which maybe I don't need to ask on the podcast, but I will anyway. Okay. Um, I'd love to come during some of your family stuff and do my uh, disease model of addiction for families one of these days. I love doing that, and I'd love to do it for families if you ever had an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So that is one of the one of the the sections that we're going to do. And right. how it goes is it's basically like a thirty minute educational piece with a sixty minute you know family support share. Yeah. So the first one is April fourteenth coming up over zoom pretty excited sweet. i really am I, i'm sweet i'm super excited about it so the second thing is that you probably don't watch general conference of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints but i do in between sessions of general conference they had a little uh 30 minute piece i think 30 minutes i don't know on uh the experiences of people of color uh in utah and particularly in the mormon culture and one of the featured guests on that was desmond lomax so Desmond that's, Lomax that does the yeah, 30 second Yeah, the clinical nice. director. I think he's the executive clinical director of Steps Recovery Center. He is. Great dude. Um, I have heard. I have never met him, but if you remember, I uh, texted you to see if you had his phone oh, number. Man. No, that's okay. I got it from uh, I got it from Ty. Oh, awesome. Um, and I just texted Desmond, and it was, just, it was great. It was like, these are things that some of us just don't understand like right i i don't get to understand the experience of an uh, a person of color in utah like i i pretend like i understand what it would be like but that's i don't like none of us do right yeah and it's been a you know from from the stories that i heard during this thing tesman lomax wasn't the only person on there they had a number of people but he's just the only one associated with steps recovery right, center the yeah. one the one that i knew of yeah. right and uh it's just, it's a hard culture for people of color like the mormon culture is pretty difficult i think huh. we're a little judgmental on occasion and we get to be uh you know because we're the vast majority in this state we get to be right and all that stuff so i i, I don't think that's necessarily a thing of of the uh, of the lds church i think that's anytime you get a group of people together where they're the giant majority yeah that group gets to be right you know i grew up totally naive to that because you know my family spent some time living in california my dad you know was a military guy fought in vietnam and my best friend go growing up was uh terrence stanton and i mean i would go over to their house and i w it was like i was family i wouldn't even knock just right. just walk right in right. remember the first time i i saw an african-american jesus that around christmas that they right. had on their mantle i said what the heck is that right and they just laughed like they were so loving and so yeah good yeah, but it goes to show you don't know right like it's it's a little different right. for sure. I, I grew up in florida i didn't really grow up in utah so i, I had plenty of friends of color um yeah you know every sports team i was ever on about half the team was african-american about half the team was not for sure. Um, and then I moved to Utah, and it's really a weird culture here, <laughs> for sure. Uh, not what we wanted to talk about today, but I just wanted to give Desmond Lomax a shout-out. He was really um, just, uh, you know, I've never met him, but I've always admired him. And he's just, the, the way he came across in this story was just like you described, like really loving and really, like, tolerant and understanding of people's weaknesses and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, it's funny. They I talked to one of them. They said the key to our our management component is we hire smart people that we trust and we get out of their way. So that's to work for a company like that is amazing. That is what that's really it, right? Yeah. Yep. Don't hire good people and then tell them what to do. <laughs> right. 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 So I think that's a, uh, that actually is a, maybe a Apple Steve Jobs sort of initial quote. Yeah. As he said the same thing, we hire good people and then we basically let them do what they yeah. do. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, um, what's your new and good? Oh, doing good. So uh, what do I got? Well, I got a pool party tomorrow. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. So six thirty at the uh, St. George and uh, the, the Sand Hollow Aquatic Center. And then my second new and good is I brought my clubs and I have a uh, friend down here who used to live right across the street from me. He's been away on a LDS mission for a couple of years. So we haven't played golf in a while and he's down here this weekend. So nice. I picked up his clubs. He didn't bring his clubs, but he keeps them. <laughs> he keeps them a place where I have access to him. So I brought his clubs and we're playing golf in an hour and a half. Beautiful. Yeah, that's good for me. That's like that's my that's it for me. That's where you find your chi, right. your, that's your serenity. Right. Yeah. That is my fun. That's my happy place right there on the golf course. Yeah. So we're gonna. So we're doing that. That's awesome. Hey, uh, and he just texted me. Hey, Sean, what's new and good? Nothing. <laughs> I think the pink eyes spread to his brain. <laughs> I think you're right. I'm on like week. Week was it? Almost two. It's, pink it's eye. pretty close to two. Yeah, that's and a long time. Yeah, so uh, t- two. Um, what is it? Uh, uh, two Instacare visits and then one ophthalmologist. Ophthalm- ophthalmologist. Yeah, visit. He basically said, "Dude, if you were stuck in the woods, this would last three or four weeks, and then you'd be fine." So that's where you're at. So stop catastrophizing. So, so It'll work itself. Basically, out. you paid him to tell you that you're stuck in the woods. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> wow, that's well, a gig. How do I get that gig? Well, Saturday I went to uh, the Instacare, and they're like, "Hey, you need some steroids." I'm like, "I don't go to the gym," uh, so it was like a buck and a half for steroids. I'm like, "All righty, fine," and you know whatever. Uh, so the ophthalm- ophthalmologist. Yep. Good. Jeez, man, he's you got the Scrabble word. He's like, "This is going to cost a few dollars more, five hundred bucks for this small vial of stuff." Yeah. And he Big like pharma. scraped my eyeballs. Oh, like he's like, he'll that, look that up. That sounds pleasant. Pulled out like a scalpel. He's like, you'll be fine. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> that sounds pleasant. Uh, you showed me the small, the small little uh, prescription thing you got. That stuff has to be more expensive than gold. Like that is a I, tiny little bottle of stuff for five hundred bucks. Now insurance covered most of it. That was was nice, but well, that's uh, nice, but still, but still, so, some oh com- some companies robbing you blind. But I'm not. Yeah. But that's the hard part is I don't feel sick yeah but I it's just, really but, obnoxious but i'm just like mad because i yeah. now my vision's blurred i right. can't drive at night right you i'm just, just paid 500 bucks I'm, for a tiny bottle yeah yeah <laughs> and, and, just, and for a doctor to tell you if you're out in the woods it would just go away on its own yeah you'll be fine in a couple weeks i'm like ah yeah, exactly <laughs> so yeah, that yeah there's sean's new and bad mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but you, you were commenting that uh, i sound like eeyore yeah so the the coin of that is uh the flip side the guy who voices Eeyore mm-hmm. is the okay. same guy who voices Optimus Prime for Transformers. Oh, really? So I feel like there's maybe some hope that only I, that only I can a transform. sound guy would know that piece yeah. of trivia, right? Yeah. Way to cognitively reframe that to yeah, be a positive thing, wow. Sean. You sound like, like Optimus that. Prime. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be I'll be Eeyore if I can be Optimus Prime. Sean yeah. says. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Uh, I saw a guy on 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 Twitter this week whose Twitter handle was optometrist prime <laughs> not ophthalmologist but optometrist prime nice yeah i don't know if he, Does the he voice. have 314 vision i don't know if he had the voice for it <laughs> <laughs> all no. right we're about halfway through episode one we yeah. haven't even got to the meat and potatoes oh, hey are we going to talk about a topic this today is episode 35 of pure nonsense so that i like the pure <laughs> nonsense i'm having fun with the pure nonsense okay so we did uh so today we're going to do something a little bit different uh, I'm in studio, obviously, and uh, I'm only here about half the time. And when I'm here, I'm only here half the time. Um, <laughs> or I'm half here, one of those two. We decided today we were going to probably not have a guest and talk about some topics. And we may do this from time to time as well. Uh, talk about topics of interest to people who suffer from uh, substance use disorders. And so we decided today we wanted to talk about... Uh, Depression and anxiety. I think this is an important one because, you know, as well as I do, working in the industry, the substance is really just the byproduct of what's going on underneath it, right? And in almost every single client, 
that I've ever met, two of the things that they got going on, anxiety and depression. No, no question. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. It's not universal, but it's pretty close. Yeah. Most, most patients with substance use disorders have uh, some other mental health diagnosis. And a lot of the time it's either depression or anxiety or yeah. both. We call that co-occurring for sure. So, right. But the question is in some patients, like, uh, the question is chicken and egg, right? Is does somebody have depression, anxiety, and they're treating themselves for it with the substance or do they take a substance which causes depression and anxiety? So there's a number of substances that cause that are known to be causes of depression. For sure, alcohol is a depressant. For sure, opiates are a depressant. Um, so some of the things, most of the things that we call downers cause actual, the same symptoms as clinical depression, major depressive disorder. So right. I saw of, a little, it's kind of a chicken and egg sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you pointing that out. I saw a little meme. We're going to get back to a little bit of nonsense here. Yeah. I saw a meme that said, uh, trying to, trying to get rid of your anxiety with alcohol is like trying to put out your house that's on fire with gasoline. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It just adds to it. Right. There's no question. Yeah. It's a, it, it, the thing is though, for anxiety, alcohol probably does help in the moment in the short term right right the problem is then you then let's say you're anxious about something let's just pick a random thing the bill collectors are calling me i'm anxious about it so i get drunk now i don't care about it anymore but i don't pay the bills right mm -hmm. and so then you're not drunk six hours later or a day later or whatever and now you're a day later on that bill than you were before. And a buck shorter. And so your anxiety, and, and a few bucks shorter, right? If, if it's only a buck, you're drinking some cheap <laughs> vodka. Um, it, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to make an uh, alcohol joke. But um, but so then, then the problem comes right back. And so to maintain the lack of anxiety over that problem, you have to keep drinking. And we know where that leads, right? We all know where that leads. Many of us have been there. Yeah. Right? So, so what does this depression and okay, anxiety so look I like clinical, to, I wanted to start with standpoint. some clinical stuff. Jared's got some fun stuff, and we're probably going to have a little bit of a back and forth on this because Jared's taking the uh, side of somebody that doesn't know what he's talking about. and <laughs> Or that is, you know. I'm just kidding. I'm just, <laughs> we're going to do this, though, I hope. I hope we have a little fun with Listen, this. I'm totally cool with this because I can always use the excuse, I'm a newbie to this well, thing, yeah, right? That's not going to work. While I make my argument. Yeah, no, I like <laughs> it. Your arguments are legit and real. Uh, we've talked about this a little bit. But I wanted to uh, first go over a couple of things to do. And I wanted to start out with depression. We'll get to anxiety a little bit later. But... There is, for many of you that are not clinical people, maybe you don't know this, but I, I'm guessing most people have heard of what's called the DSM-5. It's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. It's the fifth edition. We're on the fifth edition now, and the sixth edition is on its way uh, shortly. But that this is the book that clinicians go by to make diagnoses. These are the standards of care for how you make a diagnosis. And I wanted to read briefly, and this is going to be dry and boring, but it's not too long, so it's not that bad. Um, the What the DSM-5 says you have to have in order to be diagnosed with depression. Okay, so the DSM-5, an individual has to be experiencing five or more symptoms during the same two-week period and at least one of the symptoms should be either depressed mood or loss of interest or pleasure, okay? So you have to have um, five or more of the following symptoms, and one of those has to be either depressed mood or loss of interest or pleasure. First one is depressed mood most of the day, nearly every day. And this is usually a two-week period prior to when you're talking to the patient. So most days depressed for most of the day for the two weeks, for most days of two weeks prior to the initial clinical interview. Number so two, Mark. 51% of the time. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that would right? be most days. A little bit, yep. So number two, markedly diminished interest or pleasure in all or almost all activities most of the day, nearly every day, again, for the prior two weeks. Number three, significant weight loss when not dieting or weight gain or increase or decrease in appetite, appetite sorry, nearly every day. A slowing down of thought and a reduction of physical movement observable by others, not merely subjective feelings of restlessness or being slowed down. Fatigue, number that was number four. Number five, fatigue or loss of energy nearly every day. 
feelings of worthlessness or excessive or inappropriate guilt nearly every day. Number seven, diminished ability to think of, to think or concentrate or indecisiveness nearly every day. And then the final one. So again, you got to have five of these. There's eight. The final one, number eight, recurrent thoughts of death, recurrent suicidal ideation without a specific plan or a suicide attempt or a specific plan for committing suicide. If you have five of those, you meet the diagnostic criteria for major depressive disorder. Within a two-week period. Within a two-week period, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could identify with a lot of those, right? I right. mean, I, I, in my, yeah, at points in time in my life, I felt depressed. And I actually have been on multiple antidepressants at some points in time in my life. And we'll kind of get to that when I get to my side of the argument. Right. But, yeah. I think the... Um, I think the one thing I'd like folks to know about this is um, uh, you do have to meet five of those criteria. Merely being sad is not necessarily major depressive disorder. It's not clinical depression. You can be sad. Listen, if you're, if a loved one passes away and you're not sad, then something's wrong with you. You're probably taking substances or something, right? So um, it doesn't mean you can't have clinical depression with a reason, but it has to go on for a period of time and you have to meet these criteria. Okay. And there's short-term depression and long-term depression. Absolutely. Too, right? And Acute there's other chronic. things that cause actual depression, but maybe not major depressive disorder. Right? right. There are people with bipolar who, uh, with bipolar disorder and there's a bipolar one and a bipolar two. And we're not going to get into that today because we don't have time, but that spend a lot of their time depressed. But if you treat that group of people with a, a, your regular treatments for depression, they don't get better because they don't have major depressive disorder. Right. So to kind of spell that out, I want to go through. So if you have acute depression is the short term depression, right, right, Doc? Right. So if you have, say, a family member passes away, you, you go through acute depression, you know, you're depressed, you become concerned. You go through the grief cycle right. over time, you start to feel better. That's short term, right? That's That wouldn't be considered clinical or that, chronic depression. Well, and it might not even be depression, right? That might just be grief. Yeah, right. good point. The fact that you're sad doesn't mean you have depression. It you're means, human. Right. So sadness is, is one of the criteria, but it has to be nearly every day for, or most days, I guess, most days for a two-week period, number one. And number two, I think that it's not stated here, but... There also should be uh, not much reason for it. Like you can't pinpoint what happened, right? If your mom died and you're not sad for a couple of weeks, then there's something wrong with you. So yeah, good. Yeah. Good. Point. Okay. So no. there's, there's that. And then the other thing that I wanted to talk about before we launch into this discussion and uh, I'm having a lot of fun, but I apologize that we have gone longer than I thought, <laughs> but um, there was, fun, I'm having fun. I know that. There was a couple of other things I wanted to uh, talk about. So depressive disorders are common in the general population with a point prevalence, which means at any one time, if you just interview a thousand people, point prevalence of somewhere between two and 4% for major depressions. If you interview a thousand people, approximately somewhere between two and 4% of those. So 20 or 40 out of the thousand will qualify as a diagnosis of major depression. There's a 20% lifetime risk for the development of major depression or dysthymic disorder. And depression is two to three times more common in women than it is in men. Mm. So I think these stats are interesting and, uh, and good to understand before we launch into this sort of discussion about the treatments and that sort of stuff. So that's the stuff you, I wanted to get out there first. We know the criteria. We now know the prevalence, two to 4% and way more common in uh, two to three times as common in women than men. Do you think because that's a, a part of postpartum depression? Like, do you think that the postpartum, like more well, women are going to experience postpartum depression than men, obviously. Yeah, but I don't think <laughs> it's, I don't think that's miracle. a big enough influence to cause that big of a discrepancy. Huh. That's interesting. I wonder yeah. what's behind well, we don't all know that, but we know some of the things for sure, right? Um, some Sometimes traditional societal roles in conjunction with uh, current societal expectations make it much more difficult. I know that Utah, we're almost out of time, but Utah is very high in the nation for antidepressant prescriptions. And part of that is because women are expected to do so much. 
like a lot of times now women are working full time, but they also have a bunch of household responsibilities more than men. And it's just such a difficult task that they're, they're more commonly depressed than men whose task is to go win the bread and come home. Yeah, frankly. And I know that's a broad generalization. But. Yeah, no, it's a good point though. It's they, it's a, they feel a lot more pressure around certain social aspects. Right. We're about out of time. We got, uh, so in, about yeah, to run this. in part two, we're going to get into, I'm going to challenge the traditional look at depression. We're going to have some fun with it. We're also going to talk about some ways to help without medications with your anxiety and depression. There is no way to help without anxiety and depression medication. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. One of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery, and once you become with the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times. And it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. All right, and we're back. Hopefully you guys got to see that uh, 30 second commercial break. We had some technical difficulties. We're getting ironed out. Episode 35, part two is brought to you by the Hilton Garden Inn in St. George, Utah. It's always sunny and bright at the Hilton Garden Inn Garden Inn in St. George, Utah. If you're traveling through Southern Utah, give them a Google search. Just type in Hilton Garden Inn. I promise you won't be disappointed. They have amazing amenities, great customer service. We love those guys. Thank you, Hilton. Yes, we do. Stayed there last night. It was beautiful. Slept well. Uh, so apparently Eeyore over there has eyeball problems that turned into our, <laughs> the glitches. I'm going to blame it on you, Sean. I don't think he's in the mood for jokes right now. I know. I agree with you. Working on it. He doesn't love when things don't go well. Yeah, that's why uh, we like him. We laugh at it. It's fine. Totally so fine. the break was a break was enough time for Jared and I to figure out what we're doing next. So uh, first of all, we have, uh, as we announced, I think we announced this last week or was it two weeks ago? Anyway. Uh, Jason Coombs has written a book called Unhooked, and it's subtitled How to Help an Addicted Loved One Recover. Jared is holding it up if you're looking at the uh, visual part of our podcast. And we have Jason's coming on here in just a couple of weeks, and that's going to be great. But Jason was kind enough to call and offer us a number of copies of his book free of charge and we have decided to give them away in in some different types of contests and there's things you have to do to qualify to receive a book look on our website uh, and our facebook page on sunday nights for next week's qualifications how to qualify to be drawn uh in a in a lottery in a drawing to receive a free copy of unhooked by jason coombs so we had some criteria last week we and sure a bunch of people qualified, but we can't give away, we can't give a book to everybody. So we're giving away three books a week and just be consistent. Just go every Sunday and check and, yeah. and do follow that. One. It's, it's simple stuff like, you know, like leave a comment, right. share the, share the past episode or right. share from, you know, Apple podcast platform, just right. simple stuff. And then be a good person is usually the third one, like doing good, do a good deed anyways. So we got three people that qualified this. Well, we got more than three people, but we drew three people this week. They all qualified, which means they're all good people. That's right. I love that. Taylor Calderon has qualified for a free copy of, uh, unhooked how to help an addicted loved one recover. Congratulations. By, by Taylor. Jason Coombs. Taylor. Uh, I'm going to read two more names in a second. If you guys will get in touch with us through the Facebook page and leave us a way to ship you a copy of the book, we will get it out to you as soon as possible. Carmen Wallace won a copy of this week's, uh, of the book this week and Jody Clark, Jody Clark's our old friend. She, uh, Jody has been on the, uh, on the podcast before. Carmen's and amazing too. She always, is I don't know Carmen comments so. and she shares a lot of our stuff. Where's she from? Do you uh, know? Is she from Salt down Lake here? Area. I believe the Salt oh, Lake area. So she probably won't be there tomorrow. Probably not. Dang it. 
I'm looking forward to meeting some people that I don't know. I know their names, but I don't really know them that well. So I'm looking forward to that tomorrow. I'm hoping Jody will be there. But um, anyway, Taylor Calderon, Carmen Wallace, Jody Clark, if you'll get on the Facebook page, leave us information as to where we can send your book. We'll send you a free copy of Unhooked by Jason Coombs. Yep. Mailing address. Perfect. Yep. Okay. What a good guy. Jason Coombs. What a nice guy. Like Super nice guy. Yeah. Superstar in my book. Yeah. I agree. Uh, and, uh, we have him coming on the podcast soon. That's going to be a fun episode. That is a good guy. I agree. That's going to be an interesting guy to listen to. Yeah. The end of this month. Yep. Uh, okay. So let's take it off from where we were. I read a bunch of stats and how to qualify for being diagnosed with depression, blah, 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 blah. Apparently you have read a book this recently. So for people that know me, I'm a book nerd and it's cool. Get on my level, right? Like books are cool because you're able to share other people's experience and gain knowledge. It's, it's cool to be a book nerd these days, right doc? Books are cool. So there's a way too little reading these days, way too much video gaming and way too little reading. And listen, I'm going to be honest. A lot of times if I don't have time to read them, I'll just listen to them on audible. Okay. Right. Listen, we live live in that day and age, right? (laughs) It's great. So you no longer have the excuse. I don't like to read because you can listen and gain it. Absolutely. So there's a book called Lost Connections by Johan Hari. See, I pronounced his name right. That's correct, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. So in this book. Dutch. He's from Holland. Nice. Nice. He's he's done some TEDx talks. Yeah. Great guy. Yeah. Johan Hari, come on the podcast. Shout out. Yeah. Somebody knows how to get a hold of him. If we could have Johan Hari on, that'd be awesome. Somebody knows how to get a hold of him. Let's do it. Yeah. So he put out a book, Lost Connections. I love this book because a lot of the things made a, a whole lot of sense to me. And now, look, I, I'm not going to come on here and, and say that medi- that people don't need medication. That's not the message I'm trying to deliver. It's totally what you're saying. <laughs> but for the sake of having a healthy debate here, um, the book was interesting because I, too, have been prescribed antidepressants. And throughout my life, I've even been, is it polypharm- poly, basically polypharmacy? Where, yeah, polypharmacy yeah. where you prescribe more than one. Yeah. And some of the stuff that he pointed out was amazing. Okay. So... Doc, are you familiar with the Perkins wand? Well, barely. Old school. This happened decades ago. I wish I had one. So a Perkins wand, and he goes over this in the book, basically was a, a, yeah, like a sheet of metal, right? Or a rod of metal that they used to take and they patented it and they would wave it over. Well, it was a a stick, right? Yeah, it was like a metal stick. Wrapped in metal. Oh, that's, that's the other guy that, that basically debunked it. The original one was just a metal wand oh, okay. and you'd run it over a patient who's experiencing pain and voila, right? Their symptoms seemed to go away. Their pain seemed to go away. So anyways, in his book, he goes over it more. Um, Dr. Hagar was interested in this and he thought, you know what? I'm going to make kind of a knockoff if you will. So he went and he got a stick and he put metal around it and he was telling people it's the Perkins wand. And so he ran some studies of his own and to his surprise, what he happened? better people started feeling better. Right. And so it, it basically fast forward. This is, this was what started the placebo effect, right? How much is it in the patient's mind or the story that they're told? Because for a long time, we've been telling the story with antidepressants. It's a chemical imbalance, right? And he talks about how the story that's told is just as important as the medication. Sometimes in regards to the Perkins wand, even more powerful. So, I found it pretty interesting. Um, another thing that he pointed out that, that I absolutely loved was there's a thing called an Erickson scale. Okay. Now, again, this is, this is, I'm just talking about his book and things that I found were interesting and right. you can combat it in a minute, Yeah. but the Erickson scale basically measures effectiveness. Big pharmaceutical companies pay billions of dollars to put out prescription medications, right? In, in the hopes that they're going to be profitable. Well, in the Perkins scale, it judges how effective that medication is, and it has to be effective twice or two different studies for them to be able to produce it and send it to market for it to show up at your pharmacy. Okay. So what happens is, is big pharma, because they're the ones that are paying the people that are doing the testing and paying the ones that are taking a look, a look at this, they basically only show the results that make them look good. They only show the results that they want people to see. So Johan Hardy talks about it's a how, bit of a broad statement and it's not necessarily true. Well, through the freedom act, he was able to get a hold of the raw data and in the raw data on the Erickson scale, I'm going to throw some stuff out there. Improved sleep for people that are feeling depressed or anxious. If they, 
just slow their life down and get a little bit more sleep, the effectiveness out of one is no effectiveness. 10 is amazing effectiveness is scored a six. Increase or uh, improved diet was a seven. According to this, antidepressants was a 1.8. And then he argues the fact with another doctor, right? And kind of just ad-libbing here is 1.8 effectiveness really worth it because we know with a lot of antidepressants, there's side effects. Okay. Sure. And, and I'm not saying this as fact. I don't want to come off as like, I'm well, that's saying a fact. this as fact. There's side effects to medications. That's a fact. But I did find this read interesting. A lot of times sexual dysfunction is a side effect. Weight gain is a side effect. Perspiration is a side effect. And I just, I think back to when I was at one point in time, I was going through a lot and was prescribed two different antidepressants. And I'm telling you, I, I sweated in my sleep, right? Like I, I ballooned up to a hundred, 285 pounds. Like there was a lot there that I could relate with in his book. So basically that's not, the book isn't just bashing, you know, antidepressants. What he attributes it to is unmet needs. Okay. Can I, can I comment on that? Yeah. Before we go there, go ahead. So I think that, um, all, 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 all medications have the potential to have side effects. There's no question about that. Be wary of any medication side effect that also lists the opposite side effect. So it's almost impossible to me for a medication to cause weight gain and weight loss. And in most studies on antidepressants, the number of people that gained weight was almost exactly equivalent to the number of people that lost weight. Interesting. So I, wor I worry about that particular one. There for sure, uh, sexual side effects is is a known, that's a side effect. That's absolutely a side effect. Decreased now, libido. Side effects hap have to occur in less than 50% of people or they're basically an effect. Hmm. Right. So side effects don't happen to everybody, but they can happen for sure. And decreased libido and sexual dysfunction is for sure a potential side effect. Of, it's not a potential. It's a side effect, but it only happens in a small percentage of people. But it does happen for sure. The weight gain thing. Uh, listen, there have been lots of studies showing increased chances of suicide on antidepressants. Well, you're taking a group of people that are depressed already. Right. They're already at fairly high risk for suicide. So the treatment for suicidal ideation can be antidepressants. Right. Yeah. So yeah, fair enough. So it's it, it's tough to weed out some of these things for sure. They're not always all true, but they're, they're definitely not all faults. Right. There's side effects. I'm, I'm I think the principle behind is overall the message from the overall book is sound. Right. He's just pointing out some some things that were red flags to him. Right. But basically, it's called lost connections because for now, a reason. Now, let's be honest. Johan Hari's not a fan of Western medicine. No, not a fan. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So he takes that from a from his point of view, and we all are guilty of having our own in inherent biases. Mm -hmm. And I, because I'm a Western medicine physician, I obviously have an inherent bias towards Western medicine. He has an inherent bias against Western medicine. Neither of us are wrong. And there are pros and cons to both sides. And I think that's why I identify with, with him and with his book is because at one point in time, right, I became addicted to opiates, which then once I kind of got clean and got clear headed, I wanted to be off all medications because just right. the fact of having to take something every day, I, I didn't really like that. And so I started to look into more of a holistic or a herbal remedy. So my background... I have a degree in kinesiology, which is a fancy way of saying exercise science. So I think a lot of times we've got to find a, in my opinion, we have to find a balance between medication and social prescribing or prescribing for exercise, prescribing for connection. That's what, that's why it hit, hit home for me. I like for example, I don't take to, I, at one point in time, I was on two at the same time, two different antidepressants, miserable. Okay. Today I don't take any antidepressants. I take five HTP which helps with the per, your body produce natural serotonin. And I try to hit the gym and exercise at least three to five days a week. And I, I, again, this is completely from my perspective, but I feel way better than being on the antidepressants. That's why I found the book pretty interesting. Right. For sure. And, and you're not wrong in that. Like that's not, I'm not here to say that your point of view is all wrong. It's also not all right. Uh, one of the, one of the weaknesses of Western medicine is 
the way Western medicine is made, is built, is is the way the way that people like me make their living, frankly, is you don't you can't make a living in medicine sitting there and talking to people. And that's a weakness. That's a giant weakness. We don't get reimbursed very well at all. Therapists get reimbursed better for talking to people than we do. Right. And so Western medicine has devolved into this, uh, and this isn't tr universally true, but some physicians are come in, hear a problem, write a prescription, see you, take this for three weeks and come back and talk to me. That's, that happens way more than it should. And so trying to work with people on things like exercise, which will take some time, right, uh, is one, it doesn't reimburse very well for physicians. And two, uh, the problem with prescribing things like exercise to patients is they got to want to do it. And the truth is it will help and it's a great preventer, but depressed patients aren't motivated to exercise. That's a problem. They want a lot of a lot of my patients want a quick fix. They want they want a pill, frankly. So right. so one of the weaknesses of Western medicine is we prescribe too many pills, but the other weakness is we as a society expect too many pills. Don't right? we want a quick fix? Yeah, don't you think though as kind of a medical industry though we should be it, I'm not against prescribing the medications, right? I I've said that. But then also filling out a referral for them to see somebody who's a therapist or somebody that can help kind of get reimbursed or have some, um, yeah, advanced education and yeah. how to work with that person outside of a prescription. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm not arguing with you on this. Like I think your point, uh, particularly for exercise and diet. See, because I'm okay with the original prescription, right? Try this, see how it works, maybe even adjusting it a little bit. But when you get to the point where you're prescribing multiple things for the same thing, maybe it's time to take a look at it outside of the box or outside of your scope of practice, right? Well, like, there's a couple of things. Uh, maybe medications aren't the thing we should go to first, right? Yeah. And maybe we ought to go to things that don't have... Exercise doesn't have too many negative side effects. Sore muscles the next day, that's the side effect. Well, and, and mean, if you start off slow, you might not have right. tons of sore muscles. Right, right. Yeah. And that's so, the problem with a lot of the, you know, certified uh, personal trainers is I watch them and they just, it's like a contest who can kill their clients off. And I'm right. like, that person's been sitting on the couch for three months right. and you've got them running lighten for up. 30 minutes on a treadmill? Yeah, lighten like, up a little. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, but exercise, there's, there's very little wrong with telling people to exercise. The problem is in, is in getting patients to comply with that, not necessarily the, the telling them to do that. Right. Because and so we should maybe prescribe that before we go to medicine, right? Before we start writing prescriptions and say, come back in four weeks and see me. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to dive into some of the things yeah. that he gets into in his book. So really behind the idea of, of, um, lost connections is, he talks about unmet needs. Like why are people depressed? Why do they experience anxiety? And what he identifies is it's, it's unmet needs that we're experiencing. That's the root of the problem. So he talks about meaningful relationships when people have stepped outside of their social circles or they've lost connections with, you know, meaningful relationships, meaningful ties. That was a big one. Meaningful employment was a big one. Mm -hmm. And he talked about how a lot of people have are at higher risk for developing, um, anxiety, depression, addiction, when they go to a job where they're told what to do, how to do it, mm -hmm. clock in, clock out, they have absolutely no buy-in, They have, their opinion does not matter, right? Like that's what, it's a, probably a terrible joke, but a, why they say post office people go postal, you know, and, and kind of can become, go a little nuts sometimes. A lot, of, a lot of times if you don't ever have an opinion or you don't have the room to experience some creativity or come up with it, have personal bias or buy-in, that can be a problem. Yeah. So it basically boils down to three things that I loved that he talked about. Everybody needs these three things. They need to feel love. They need to feel acceptance and they need to have purpose. So under, underneath that depression, anxiety, those are the three things that, that he points out all people need. So thoughts on that. Well, I, I can't argue with that. That's, I have nothing for that. Makes yeah. total sense. Right. Yeah. I think, listen, I, I don't need to argue with that. That's, that's true. Right. So I don't have much in the way of thoughts that I believe that that makes sense. Right. I believe we all have those needs. Absolutely. And one of my most powerful visits when I went to see a, a doctor that I was seeing for my antidepressants, this has been like three or four years ago. 
I, I was telling her that they weren't working because they would work for a while, right? She would up the medication. It would work for a while. I'd come back in. Hey, it's not working anymore. And, and at one point I switched doctors. Like the one that I was typically seeing was out. And so I saw somebody else that day. Is it a family, you know, a family practice? And uh, this doctor, she's a female. She said to me, she said, have you tried looking at why you have so much anxiety and depression? And like, again, growing up, you, you don't know what you don't know. Like I thought, well, no, well that that's absurd. Why would I do that? Like, I just need a pill, more medication, right? Like you're right. saying a quick fix. Right. And so, yeah, that was one of the most powerful doctor visits I'd ever been to. I think the problem with some of the patients I see is they can't, and they have tried, they can't come up with why they're depressed. Like a lot of cases of clinical depression, they have no, they can't list anything in their life that's wrong sometimes. I wouldn't say a lot, but sometimes people can't list a single thing in their life that, that is unmet. So that to me is really true clinical depression when there's no, you can't come up with a cause for it and yet you're still sad. You can't get off the couch or whatever. Yeah. And this isn't a one size fits all, right? My experience isn't the same as some of the patients that you have or people out there that are maybe shaking their heads right now going, you just don't understand what I'm going through. You're probably right. I probably don't. I'm sharing from my experience and and something that I found that was interesting. Right. Uh, That's a, that's maybe the critical point of what we're talking about right now is everybody's experience is a little bit different. We don't always understand their experience. Uh, Trying to fit everybody into a little box is tough to do. Right. But that's unfortunately what medicine sort of is, is trying to fit people into a box to figure out what to do with them. And not everybody fits into the same box. Right. With the same exact symptoms, not everybody fits into the same box. But what you're talking about to me is another concept that you mentioned earlier that I'd love to just touch on briefly is placebo effect. When you take a new antidepressant, it works for a while and then it wears off. One of the things of antidepressants is they don't, that you cannot develop tolerance to them. Interesting. Tolerance happens to addictive medications only, basically. Um, not entirely, but for the most part, tolerance happens way quicker to addictive medications and doesn't really happen to non-addictive medications. The placebo comes from the Latin term, which directly translated means, I shall be pleasing. Hmm. That's, uh, that's an effect that doctors have used for years, starting with sticks and metal rods, metal rods. Yeah. And I have seen used very well. I've seen people who convince their patients they were going to get better. Their patients do better than the guys, that, the people that walk out of a doctor's office, not convinced they're going to get better. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes back to the point that the story that's being told is just as important as the prescriptions being written. Right. In some cases. Right. Yeah. So ang- is jump into anxiety. We talked about depression. Let's anxiety. The things that I wanted to point out is in my opinion, there's, this could also be true for depression as well. So I read a thing in, in my studies that basically pointed out there's proactive and then reactive, right? If, if you know that you have a depression or anxiety problem, you should be proactively doing something about it. What that looks like is again, the diet, the exercise, getting quality sleep, right? Meditation is huge. Um, finding ways to take some time out, personal care, personal love. A thing I've been doing lately that I was challenged to do and I've been doing lately is, is basically a tech, a tech fast where I, for a day, I put my phone aside, I turn it off. I don't go by my computer. Right. And just try to connect with the people in that moment. Um, versus reactive reactive can be, can get you in trouble. Like with for anxiety Xanax, right? That's a reactive. I'm feeling anxiety. Therefore, boom, I take something like Xanax to help diffuse that. Yeah. Let me, let me tell you the problem with that is as a Western medicine physician, we only see patients after, after. So we only get to react. Yeah. There's very little emphasis on prevention in Western modern medicine. We don't really get paid for preventive healthcare visits. We don't, that just doesn't pay very well. And listen, Doctors, I don't think, are necessarily any more or less greedy than anyone else, but I think everybody wants to get paid. Oh, absolutely. On this planet, everybody wants to get paid if they're doing a job, right? And preventive medicine doesn't pay. It just doesn't pay. So we don't see them until they come in with all the symptoms. 
So right. then we have to react to all those symptoms. At that point, you're in if the they saw stage. If they saw a doctor every year, and it was a good doctor that, that really wanted to help to help them take care of themselves, that doctor would be reviewing their diet and reviewing their med- their um, exercise regimen and, and, you know, the supplements they take and all of that, all of those sort of things, we would have way less disease in this country. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. One thing that I, that I learned that I think is critical to our listeners to hear is if you're experiencing an, an anxiety attack, there's something you can do before running to a doctor and, and again, the reactive. So there's a thing where you basically take hot and cold materials. So if you take and you make a little pan and you throw some ice in there and as cold of water as you can stand, right? So it's ice cold and you put your you bare feet, you put your feet in that pan, right? And then you get like a rice uh, what are they, a rice bag, right. it's something that's warm, right. microwave it, and you're holding it in your hand and you have that hot cold. Okay. It shocks your central nervous system. And then there's tons of breathing techniques out there. There's the Wim Hof, sure. there's fire breathing. Sure. And you basically put your feet in the cold water, you're holding something warm, or you can even do it with each hand, right. something hot, something cold. Right. They've got to be really hot and really cold. Something's really going to shock your system. They can help with anxiety. I've seen people go from a scale of an eight or a nine with anxiety all the way down to like a two or three within minutes. It's pretty so, amazing. So I love that. Let me tell you, we're almost out of time. We could go on for another couple of hours for sure. Yeah. And maybe we will continue this. But what that does is it brings you back to right now because all anxiety is about the future. Anxiety right. is always about the future. If you're paying attention to the here and now, then you can't be paying as much attention to the future and therefore you won't have as much anxiety. So anything that can bring you back to here and now, which meditation is great for, and that that you're talking about, the hot and the cold and different breathing techniques bring you back to what you're doing right now, anxiety lessens because Absolutely. you're not thinking about the future. Absolutely. And, and I want the takeaway to be that I got from this book. It was get connected, right? Like get connected, get involved in a book club, get involved in a support group, get involved in your religious activities, sign up for a fitness class, go to meditation groups, you know, get on Google. If you have nowhere to start to get connected, jump on Google and type in social events near me and just get out and get involved. Cause connection, like we say is the opposite of addiction. It really can be the opposite of depression and anxiety too. This is a big thing with Johan Hari is connection and connectedness. And he uh, spouts it as a cure for addiction. He spouts it as a cure for anxiety and depression. And he's not all wrong for sure. He's quite right. Stay connected to people. We all need, we're social creatures. We need connection and we need to work on that for sure. More than just social media. So come out and connect with us tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. at the at the Sand Hollow Aquatic Sand, Park. Sand Hollow Aquatic Center. Yeah. That's right. Yep. And Doc Sellers, thank you for all the times we connect over dinner, buddy. Right here. <laughs> all right, my friend. We'll see you guys next week. We got a guest all the way from... Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from a podcast studio.